my name is Michael D'Angelo. Welcome to Let This Mind Be In You, or if you are a return listener, welcome back. This is a ministry founded on proclaiming the gospel to the lost and exhorting Christians to remember that we have the mind of Christ. So let this mind be in you. Please make sure to like, share, and subscribe with all your friends and family. And if you would like to reach me, you can reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com. That's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. I also have a Facebook page. You can find that at Let This Mind Be In You Ministries. Just search for that. Also, you can find me on YouTube at Let This Mind Be In You. Hello. Welcome back to Let This Mind Be In You. I'm Brother Michael D'Angelo here with you on another Thursday night, and it's so good to be with you here tonight. It's a little bit of a... I don't want to call it a bittersweet moment, but this is the last broadcast in this studio. Uh, So after tonight, I'll take everything down and uh, put away what I'm not going to be able to use into uh, the storage unit and um, a little bit of a scaled down, quite a bit scaled down version. We'll go into the RV and um, I'm looking at, um, I'm looking at potentially, um, I'm not sure if I'm when this will happen, but I'm I'm looking at potentially uh, maybe using a, a another type of studio at a at a friend's place. Uh, we'll see about that. So I'm trying to get something situated here. All right, I think that should be a little bit better. Checking out this, make sure my recorder is going. Sound check, mic one two on the sound check. The wife's out on says sounds good that's good but like i said this is the last uh broadcast i've been here for over two years now of course i had two deployments dispersed in between that so uh take what you will from that but um i've i've grown accustomed let's put it that way i've grown accustomed to this to this studio and um i'm i thoroughly enjoy it um because of uh it is very nice it's it's spacious and uh it's set up the way that i like it but um you know as i as i mentioned you know the the studio the the you know may change and location may change but the word of god remains true and unchanging so <laughs> hey yes uh, so brother jason is asking me or like saying that he's excited to see how things work out in the new studio yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be a very, uh, I, w- I would say, it would be a little bit more of a um, close up. So you're going to get this. Uh, you're going to get this this mug right straight front of your face. Um, but um, those that listen to the podcast, and I talked to somebody that said they do listen to the podcast. Um, they said that you know it's great. They can listen to it going down the road. Which look it up and all the podcasts. If you want to listen to the audio version, you don't want to look at this face. <laughs> You can go to Let This Mind Be In You Ministries podcast, and you can find that just about everywhere. I haven't found a place yet you can't find that podcast. And then, um, like I said, you can find me at Let This Mind Be In You on both YouTube and Facebook and ltmbiy at yahoo.com. If you want to reach me, that's ltmbiy at yahoo.com. You reach over here and switch up the camera view for those that are watching. So I gave away some of these. I sent uh, two different ones, two different sets out in the mail. 
Um, I gave uh, a bunch away uh, the other day. So these are still available. As you can see, I still got a good amount. So if you want one, uh, write to me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com if you don't live around here or if you don't see me on a regular basis, and I will send you a, a send it out to you mailed copy, um, a mailed version. You'll you'll be able to receive right there in the mail. So um, hopefully my sister-in-law, Michelle, and brother Tony Ledbetter got those in the mail by now, I would, I would assume. So if you are, any one of you two are on here tonight, let me know if you got that. Yep. Get the message out any way you can. Amen for that, Brother Jason. So that's the plan. So no matter what, the location message stays the same. All right. With that being said, let's uh, let's get right into it. First, or excuse me, Second Corinthians chapter six. We're going to read through a good uh, amount of this. I really want to concentrate on probably I would say the last I don't know four or five verses. So. And, you know, we're not going to just skim over it just for the sake of skimming over it. But this is going to set up in context. Everything that we've we've said so far and we've talked about so far in the book of 2 Corinthians will kind of, um, it's been setting the groundwork and, the, and we've been talking about our ambassadorship and who's in us and we've been made new creatures in Christ and all these different kinds of things. But Paul really just clearly defines First of all, from the Old Testament and using other scriptures, uh, you know, from the Old Testament, Paul will clearly define of who is in us and who is God. And uh, it's, you know, spoiler alert, it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. But we're going to talk about that tonight, about the temple in which we are and what that really means. And uh, by using the analogy of the temple, it's going to really, really clearly define it for us. And, uh, oh, oh, I thought something happened there. It did not. But it's going to really clearly define it for us. You know, in the fact that um, it, it really establishes who is in us. Okay, so we've talked about, you know, we are the body of Christ. But what does that really mean? Uh, he doesn't, he no longer, uh, his presence, we know from the Old Testament, you know, rested upon the temple or the, you know, the, the synagogue that was going through the, uh, the tabernacle that was going through the wilderness first with the children of Israel going through the wilderness for 40 years and 49, uh, 40 years, excuse me. And, you know, talking about by day, there would be a, you know, a pillar of cloud that would lead them. And then a, a pillar of fire, you know, by night that would lead them. And whenever he, that stopped, you know, that's where that the temple would rest or the tabernacle, excuse me, in the wilderness. We see all that, but what about now? So we're going to talk about that tonight. So very quickly, let's get back into it. And, uh, I hope this makes sense to you tonight. So it's, it's very, it's very basic and it's very plain. And it'll talk also about what that means for our everyday life as far as the separation that has taken place. We saw in last chapter that we're made a new creature. Now what does that mean for our everyday life? So, verse number one of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 starts out with saying, We then, we then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that ye receive not the grace of God in vain. Paul mentions this before. Uh, I believe, yeah, let me, I don't want to say, speak out of turn. I think it's Romans Six, yep. What shall we say then? Romans 6, 1. What shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? He's essentially saying the same thing. 
that we receive not the grace of God in vain. The grace of God making you a new creature in Christ Jesus, there should be some sort of evidence of that. There should be that. There shouldn't be the evidence of you saying, well, now I have grace and I can just do whatever I want. That makes me very nervous, okay? Only you can know for sure, okay? And I pray that you do know for sure who is in you, who saved you by his grace, not of works of righteousness, which we have done, but by his grace, his righteousness that's in you now, that you receive that not. Don't don't take that knowledge on board of this grace. You receive this grace of God in vain, vanity, emptiness, where it's like, okay, I got this information now. Now I can just do what I want. That's an emptiness. You have been made alive in Christ, a new creature in Christ. So that's what he's saying there, beseeching them. You also that receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, verse number two, I have heard thee in a time accepted. And the day of salvation have I succored thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. He goes back to the Old Testament. So once again, Paul knew the scriptures of what they had for the time. And he uses Isaiah chapter 49 and verse number 8. We can turn there real quick. We got time. Isaiah chapter 49 and verse number 8 where it says, Thus saith the Lord, in an acceptable time have I heard thee, and in a day of salvation have I helped thee. That's what succored means. You know, it's, it's helped. It's, it's like almost like a nursing term, so to speak. I've helped thee. And I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth, to cause to inherit the desolate heritage. Now, there's some, there's some prophecy in that that I'm not going to get into tonight. But you can see that Paul is already laying the groundwork, establishing, using the scriptures to tell them now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. If you've been saved now, he's using the example of the Old Testament, but now he's telling them, if this has happened in you, this is what the result should be. There should be some sort of evidence that you can't be using this in vain or vanity. Giving no offense, verse number three, in anything that the ministry be not blamed. There's the reason why. If you claim Christ, you claim to be new creatures in Christ, you claim that he has made you new, then act like it. Now, you don't act like it in, in the sense of like, okay, I'm going to do all these things, put all these checks in the box, and then that's going to make me a good Christian. That's going to make me, it may be on the outside. Obviously, God looks on the inward man. And what you show to the public may be different than what you have in private. But Paul is saying even that, you know better. You know that this grace is not supposed to be used in vain. It's not for sin to abound. God has made you a new being. He has given you an eternal destination. And he, as we've talked already in this, in this epistle, he has given you a eternal destination with an eternal inheritance in his presence forever, clothed on with his righteousness in a new temple, not made with hands. He reconciled us and made us in, given us a new body to come. And that is, that is why the, the importance of this now in this life, give no offense in anything that the ministry be not blamed. Your testimony is vitally important. 
It says in verse number four, but in all things approving ourselves as the ministers of God in much patience, in afflictions, in necessities, in distresses, in stripes, in imprisonments, in tumults, in labors, in watchings, in fastings, by pureness, by knowledge, by longsuffering, by kindness, by the Holy Ghost, by love unfeigned, by the word of truth, by the power of God, by the armor of righteousness on the right hand and on the left, by honor and dishonor, by evil report and good report, as deceivers and yet true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold, we live, as chastened and not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making rich, and having nothing and yet possessing all things. What does this mean? He literally lays out in every facet of life, whether you would be, you know, in prison and tumults and labors and watchings and fastings, and no matter what point in your life, if he has made you new in him, essentially keep living for him. Let your testimony reflect that. No matter what the circumstances of life that come your way, it does not matter. It should not matter to you. Do we let it get to us? Absolutely we do. But you have to ask yourself the question when you come to those moments, am I getting in the flesh? Am I holding on too dearly to this thing that's going to be vaporized anyways and put and built again by him new? Or am I just living in the spirit? O ye Corinthians, verse number 11, our mouth is open unto you, our heart is enlarged. Ye are not straightened in us, but ye are straightened in your own bowels. Now for a recompense in the same, I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. Paul had a deep care for these uh, these individuals, these, these uh, residents, these people of Corinth. So he's beseeching them to not use this grace and vanity and vain and no matter what aspect of their life, he's, he's imploring them because he loves them. I speak as unto my children, be ye also enlarged. And here's the warning he's going to give them. Why is it so, it, what, in what aspect does this make a difference? What should we have in mind, Paul? He goes right into it by saying, be ye not. This is, this is very much in context of everything he just got done saying. Therefore, you could basically say, because of all this, be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now, what is the yoke? Think about plowing the fields. Back in those days, you would have oxen or some sort of animals, normally two side by side. And to be unequally yoked would mean that one was more... I guess, robust and stronger. Maybe one was a little bit sickly and weaker. And so it would cause, because the strong would pull forward and the the weak would lag back, it would cause too much of an issue. It would cause a major issue with plowing the field. So with that being said, if that's causing the issue, those that were in those kind of communities, they understood farming they understood plowing of fields 
when they thought about unequally yoked, it would immediately put a picture in their mind and they would know what he was talking about. Don't be unequally yoked together, as it says here, with unbelievers. Now, what exactly, and I've heard this talked about quite a bit. I've heard this talk about in marriage, okay? It makes sense. In a marriage, if you're going into it, you, and Paul addresses this in other places, but if you get together and you're a, a believer, but you know that this person that you have, uh, that maybe you're interested in, and maybe you met through a mutual friend and you start talking, and the next thing you know, you're kind of interested and you would like to maybe potentially, you know, get to know this person some more. But then you find out that they are, in fact, an unbeliever be very careful about going down that road. Doesn't mean you can't be a witness to them and be a friend to them and and try to preach the word every chance you get. But getting into a relationship with that individual is going to be unequally yoked. There's going to be a pushing and pulling in a different direction. And what I will tell you is that in your flesh, you would very quickly start going out of line, so to speak, in that field. Now, when it comes to like starting up businesses, I've heard, you know, don't get involved with business, your business partner being unsaved or unbelievers. I don't know. But what I do know that is, is a very clear principle laid out here is not to be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Not in a, like, maybe what you would say would be a professional sense, you know, colleague, so to speak. You know, can I work at a place that has unbelievers in it? Of, co- of course. Look, there's not very many believers, comparatively speaking. So to try to find that, would that be great? Awesome. If you can work together with, like, all believers and so forth and so on. But the point is, is that, getting together in some sort of relationship that's a fellowship. Because it says, be not, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness. It goes beyond a, a colleague kind of a relationship. It goes so far beyond like a professional work life, you know, work type of environment. What it is though is a close relationship You you can how's like you know you can you can choose your friends you can't choose your family so to speak that's kind of true some people have been saved and they're in a family of unbelievers you should still love your family but if you love them give them the truth and prayerfully they you know they let the spirit work on them some may not want to be around you. But in a friend-type relationship or one that's very close, be very careful of having that close of a relationship with somebody that's an unbeliever. Be very guarded, I think would be a good term to be using there. Because what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness and what communion? See how it's, it's more of an intimate, a closer-type relationship what communion hath light with darkness? What does light do to a dark room? 
It drives it away, right? It does. They don't exist in the same... They can't be that close together, so to speak. Light turns on. Uh, I remember as a kid going through Mammoth Cave and also, uh, what was the name of that other cave? Moringo Cave, I think it was, it was the name of it. I remember doing that as a young child. And I remember part of the, the tour, part of the tour would be that they would shut off all the lights in the, in the cave. And when you want to talk about darkness that you can feel, it's so dark, there's no light in there anywhere. And all they would do is maybe light a match or strike up, you know, maybe like a little Bic lighter or something. And as soon as that happened, you would be amazed how much that lit up that space. For those that have experienced it, you know what I'm talking about. There can't be fellowship or closeness with light and darkness. It's impossible. It says, verse number 15, in what concord hath Christ with Belial? That's a strong language there. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? An infidel is an unbeliever. Very strong language here. And this is the part I really wanted to get to. Because this is a, another statement of recognition of our true identity. And here is like what somebody in that time would understand. Even pagans would understand a temple. And Paul's going to use the analogy number 12. This is why it's so vitally important for us to understand who we are. Will we have times of getting in the flesh? Yes. But that should be a contradiction to you to say, ooh, that flesh has been crucified. Ooh, that flesh is one day going to put on incorruption. Oh, man, I can't wait for that. Lord, help me to remember who... I am because of what you have made me and because of whose temple this is and who dwelleth in that temple. Titus chapter 2 and verse number, what did I say, 12? Teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, seriously, righteously, and godly in this present world. This is this is reasonable. Why? Remembering that constantly because in verse 13, looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior Jesus Christ. We're waiting for the appearing of him to us to catch us up and to change this vile flesh that hasn't been redeemed yet, that's what we're waiting for, this blessed hope to change this, this incorruption into corruption, or excuse me, this corruption into incorruption, and to give us the glory of who is in us. A little part to give us a glorified new body that matches, so to speak, the redempted or the redeemed soul and spirit that you now have in Christ. What a magnificent thing. And just to, you know, put a bow on it, so to speak, who does Jesus, as we've already established, this is who is talking about, who does, who does Paul compare 
or say that he is. Touch not the unclean, and I will receive you, and will be a father unto you, and ye shall be my sons and daughters, saith the Lord Almighty. Once again, proving again who Christ in you, the hope of glory, that is the Father that they knew. Show us the Father. Show us the Father. Philip says, show us the Father. And Christ says, here I am. The Jews of that day said, oh, this, that, and the other thing. And he said, well, they say, Abraham we know. And Jesus said, Abraham rejoiced to see my day. And they, come on, you're not even 50 years old, man. Abraham lived all this way back here. And then Jesus says something that upsets them greatly when he says before Abraham was, I am. He was claiming to be the one true living God. Simple as that. So I hope this helps us with our quote-unquote identity once again, establishes us, gets us grounded even more in which body or which temple you now reside in. He's made you a new creature. We know that this body of flesh right now has not been redeemed, but this temple which we are now, this dwelling place, this where he said he will dwell with us, in us, Christ in us, the spirit that is in us, the Father of us all that's in us all has said, be ye holy for I am holy. So be a holy temple unto him. I can't do that on my own. We cannot do it in our flesh. That is why we are to surrender and die to ourself and live in the spirit which is in us. And I hope that's cleared up a lot of things for a lot of people. And I hope that that people understand that it's not some, you know, new teaching to teach that Jesus is all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, that he claimed to be the father because he was. And by the way, that's not trying to deny there's separate, distinctive members of the Godhead that can act independently but at the same time still be the one true living God. I hope that's helped. All right, let's get over here and see if we have any comments. Okay, let's go over here to YouTube first and see. Oh, good. Amen. Oh, I like, the, I like that, uh, Brother Jason. Brother Jason over here says, the good thing is, unlike the oxen, we have the choice in at uh, is at our discretion and that's absolutely true we can choose to understand we need to be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers it doesn't mean not to be friendly and to be kind and to be loving and to give the truth lovingly it doesn't mean that we can't do that all that but be very vigilant and very careful of the relationship type status with an unbeliever. The old saying goes, you don't catch good health, you catch bad health. And it's kind of cliche, but that's what it's saying. There is going to be a tendency in your flesh because we love individuals, we get attached to individuals, that's how God has created us. 
and then he's they're going to draw us away because in our flesh we want to be around them and they say well if you're going to bring up this god type stuff and you know talking about how jesus and and you know he's the only way to salvation and because of his finished work on the cross and all this kind of, if you're going to keep saying that i don't know if i want to have anything to do with you okay 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 just be careful that's all i have to say that's what the bible's saying don't be unequally yoked yoked means you're attached okay but you're absolutely right. We do have the ability because of the spirit now to even resist that. And then uh, you also clearest explanation of the God. Oh, well, amen. Praise the Lord. Because <laughs> I, I pray that's because Bible was used and not some man-made uh, way of trying to explain it. I hope that's helped. Thank you, brother Jason. Praise the Lord. All right. Go over to Facebook. Oh, Sister Janet is watching, as always. Thank you, Sister Janet, for tuning in. Thank you, Brother Mike, for the lesson tonight. Beautiful promise from the Lord. Yes, he's going to make us a new temple, Sister. I know you're dealing with uh, health issues right now, uh, but he's going to make a new temple. You know, this temple that we are now is a temporary, but one day it's going to put on immortality. And there will be no more suffering after that. And um, I know you're going through some health issues, but absolutely is it a beautiful promise of the Lord that we are the temple of the living God. So I pray that you found some relief, though, in some of your uh, health issues, uh, my dear sister. Um, But even through tribulation and trial and imprisonments and tumults and labors and fastings, we know we still have a a promise that's assured because of the earnest payment of the spirit that's within us all. So I'll continue to pray for you though, sister Janet. All right. Well, I think that's going to be close to the end here. Yep. I think so. All right, folks. Well, let me get back over here and I want to tell you, You know, I'm not going to get all uh, emotional because it's just, you know, wood and, you know, insulation and drywall. But I will tell you that no matter if it was from Israel, if it was from my first studio in um, Pennsylvania that was quite small, um, or it was in Israel in my barracks room or in a tool room in Israel or in a hotel room in Israel or in my office in Romania or soon to be my bedroom. I think that's where the studio is going to be <laughs> in my small uh, bedroom, small ish. The bed takes up quite a bit. The majority of the room, uh, let's put it that way. Um, whether it's been in there or whether it's been in this beautiful studio that the Lord has blessed me with for these couple of years, um, I've really enjoyed being uh, with you, teaching through these um, these passages of Scripture, studying God's Word together. And like I said, I don't know when the next time uh, I'll be on. It may be a few weeks to get myself settled. Uh, get myself settled or to get things figured out. We will try as quickly as possible to get back live. 
Um, I just have not nailed down an internet solution yet. So the internet uh, on base where we'll be living in the uh, on the RV park and base may not support a live stream. Um, and I'm still trying to figure out the best way of going about getting, uh, you know, a, a hotspot or something like that, that uh, I could be separate. So it's going to be a minute or I can just record and then just upload whenever I get the chance. Either way, no matter what, I've been blessed beyond measure and I've, I've really thoroughly enjoyed being with you mostly just about every week. You know, deployments have been in there. There's been times that whatever has happened, but now almost uh, almost 165, 165 episodes, I guess you would say, different videos. But I'm still learning, and I pray you're still learning, and I still pray that you're getting more and more grounded in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ by just going to his word and preaching nothing but Christ crucified and teaching nothing but what the Bible says. And I pray that you've been helped and edified and blessed, but it's not of me. It's of the pure words of the one true living God that's, I pray, living in you, dwelling in you. And like I said before, if you're not sure of that, you can always reach me at ltmbiy at yahoo.com or just keep studying the word of God. Just keep reading the Bible. And as the words come, faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. But don't put off the conviction of the spirit that's working on you. If he's working on you, saying that you do need a savior, don't put it off. Surrender your will to his He's not willing that you will perish, but all would come into repentance and realize that you cannot do anything to save yourself. He has done the work. Now by faith, understand that you are a sinner. Not just you're somebody that done some bad things and done some good things, but you are a separated as the Bible calls it, enemy of God. But he has done all that is necessary to reconcile you, to join back with him and be in him. And he will be in you. And he has promised to take you and that you will never, ever, ever, no matter if this flesh dies, you will live eternally and have everlasting life through him. He's done the work. But if that's happened in your life, if that's what you are trusting in. That is what you have faith in, that Jesus is God. And only God could humble himself and die for us and shed his blood for the remission of sins. You've come to that moment. You've surrendered your will to his. One brother talked about it. It may not be, you know, like some sort of, um, you know, a, a weeping kind of a condition when you do come to him. And I understand that. 
you know, the contrite heart. And, you know, I've, I've talked about that and I, and I get what, what he, what the brother was saying. Some maybe don't get saved that have a lot of uh, life experience of getting into a lot of different sin, right? You know, they weren't the drunk at the bar for 20 years or it ruined their life. And finally God got a hold of them and they, they repented of that and said, God, you are the one. And that might be a little bit more of an emotional type time. Or you're just a young person that has been raised in a good home, 10, 11, 12 years old, but huh, I, it doesn't matter how good I am. He, he's the one, the only righteousness that I can have. And you can come to that realization. Then you may not be weeping and, you know, over just a life led in sin, but you're still a sinner. You have to come to that realization. But if you have, I pray that you continue to grow in his word and be more strong and grounded and established in him and who you are with him that dwelleth in you. All right. Well, and I pray that I've had a, uh, a small part in that. So thank you for joining me. Thank you for being with me here in this, this studio here in Gulfport, Mississippi. I'm excited to see what comes. I really am. Who knows? Who knows in a few years if, if, uh, if we're around that long, if I'm around that long, what it's going to look like. I may have another big studio, may have like, who knows? It does not matter. The word of God is unchanging and I'm going to keep teaching through. So thank you again for joining me. Thank you, Sister Janet, for praying for me and my family. Love you in the Lord. God bless you. And until I see you next time, maybe we see each other face to face in the presence of our Savior. That would be super awesome. Or you just see me online or I see you in person. God bless you. Be an ambassador and let this mind be in you. Good night for now.